pleased to bring you our feature presentation. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Parish Pump Podcast, a place where local politics meets a global mindset. Councillor Dermot Daisy O'Brien here, inviting you to listen in as we try to make sense of the good, the bad, and the often absolutely outrageous shenanigans that are going on in the world. Join me at the Parish Pump, where connection is the foundation of action. So it's the Saturday the 4th of January 2020. I've decided a new way of connecting is worth exploring. So yeah, I'm doing my, my Facebook videos, my my posts, my comments, my little bit of Twitter, a little bit of Instagram, the press releases, the meetings, the public connections. And I thought, why not explore the world of podcasting? Um, I hope you like the name. There's a little bit of uh, cheekiness there. We have as a local politician, we often hear this parish pump as a derogatory way of describing local politics. Um, if I was to put a positive spin on it, I'd say the parish pump is historically a place where people would gather. Um, and as someone who's new to politics, I don't see much of people gathering as a feature of how um, elected reps do politics. So I want to, you know, in the spirit of things that I said in my campaign, I really want to try and build a better connection between local politics and the people that should benefit from what happens at local politics. Um, so yeah, if you don't know, I'm a county councillor, which means I, I take a role sitting on the Bray Municipal District Council and also Wicklow County Council. Um, those roles involve obviously uh, council meetings. There's eight councillors in Bray, there's 32 councillors in Wicklow. Um, we have a limited role in terms of our power, um, and that's something we can elaborate on if people are interested. But essentially, um, we have a role of looking at how policy can impact on the development of our towns and our county. Um, and it's our job to meet once a month, to sit on various committees, uh, to take responsibility for both individual issues that come from um citizens of Wicklow and also looking at uh, how do we manage the infrastructure, how do we manage tourism, how do we support community development, um, how do we make sure that our roads and paths are, are safe and comfortable, um, how do we look after our, our housing stock and our tenants um, and how do we plan for the future and that's one of the most interesting and important elements for me is that uh, we have to be forward-looking uh, in politics today um, and that's what makes politics quite interesting for me both at a local and a global level because if we're not forward looking then we're going to fall into the business as usual trap uh, and I think that has its flaws um, and there's something really interesting for me about how people connect with politics nowadays and it's it, like it feels like there's an us and them um, and we're often ridiculed and people will you know talk about politicians in mostly negative terms, I would say. And that's my experience uh, often for, for a, a big chunk of the contact I have with people or, or what I see, particularly on social media, is quite 
negative. Um, and yet, when there is something wrong, you will often have people expressing their outrage and demanding that politicians should do something. So they're quick to make demands, uh, but also equally quick to pass judgment. Um, and I think that is what it is. And I find that uh, both a challenge and an opportunity. Um, and I think if, uh, and particularly in, the, in with social media now and people and social media being a tool to dispense pain and express outrage and anger um, and, uh, you know, all those feelings and experiences are legitimate in their own right. Um, but I think for us politicians, it's about kind of rebuilding that connection between you know, there used to be a time when us and them wasn't a feature of politics because everyone felt on some level that there was an us representing them. So for the average person in the community, there was always, in my view, uh, an elected rep who represented them. Um, and I think that's something that kind of has faded away a little bit and it's something worth exploring and, and and seeing where what happened how did the fracture happen uh, and what are we going to do to to rebuild the connection between people and, and politicians and to be fair and crystal clear the the work in that regard is is on politicians probably more so than people i would say um you know it's easy for politicians to identify what the problems are to go and, and use the media as a way of saying, I, I see what the issues are. I can articulate what the issues are. It's even easy enough for politicians to propose solutions and to say, we need to do this. We need to do that. Um, and it almost feels like that's enough. Um, and that's how it, it we're consuming the, poli the political rhetoric, I suppose, is that, um, Politicians can say the same things that the people are saying. They can often propose the same solutions that the people are thinking and hoping for, but then it's the doing that seems to be absent. And maybe some of that is the tension between how to get things done and how much time it takes to get things done. But there's really a, a, a responsibility on us politicians to show that we're doing. And that to me is, is a really important part of it. And, I see this, you know, what I would call the, the values gap as a big issue. And it's that distance between aspirational values and practiced values. And aspirational values are easy nowadays to say. It's easy to, to present a report. It's easy to do up a newsletter and to say what you believe and to express your values um, and use that as a way of tapping into the electorate or, or the general population. But what we really need to emphasize is the practice um, and to show how our values are rooted in our actions. Um, and that's, that's a major challenge. And, you know, that's about how politics sees people, I think. And what one of the fears I have and one of the things I've noticed and partly why I got into politics um, in the last year is that it really feels like politics now treats people like, like, the, you know, it's, it's a marketplace and public services um, uh, see people and citizens as clients, as consumers, as customers, 
Um, and when you start to see people in that way, then you don't see them as allies, as co-architects, um, as part of the power. Um, and I really think that if if we continue to dismiss the potential of people and and how they can contribute to to politics, then then we'll continue to make big mistakes possibly, and we won't bring people with us. And then we'll have to deal with the apathy and the cynicism and the the low voter turnout and the low level of participation. And so for me as a politician, um, this is one of the big things that I would like to change. And I use that word often. In fact, it was one of the a slogan in, in my political campaign to, to get elected. If you change nothing, nothing changes. And I really like that statement because it's about the challenge of either accepting that nothing is going to change or being part of the change that needs to happen. And again, it might sound easy to say, but for me, if we're going to be passive and wait for something to happen and then react to that or respond to that, um, that's dangerous territory in the modern world. Um, and the, the flip side of that is how do we prepare for change? How do we navigate uh, our situation now and prepare for the change um, as we move forward? And how do we include people in, in the vision for that change? And how do we manage the risks that are facing us? Um, and really, ultimately, what it means is that business as usual is not a model that will serve us anymore. Um, and if we know and accept the change is needed, then we need to make sure that managing the change is a healthy and sustainable process. And that's again easy to say. Um, but if we really, if we think, if you think about times in your life when you've had, when you've struggled um, with change, um, it kind of it's a reminder that we have to navigate it. We have to work through change. And and maybe the more we realize that we've we've done it, then that might be an asset to us in in how we do it again and again. Um, you know, if people remember the the change from primary to secondary school, or if you watch your kids trying to manage that change, you play a role in that. It doesn't just happen. It needs some support, some maintenance, some adapting, um, moving house. If anyone's I've done that very recently and it's a huge undertaking. It's emotional. It's physical. Um, there's a lot of moving parts in moving house. Um, and it really changes your life. Um, we could look at the change that happens when, when there's a, a bereavement, um, massive, massive change in how you see the world, how you live in it. Um, what is missing when someone passes away a new job, if, even a new role within a new job. Um, it's all change and change that needs to be managed. New baby. Oh my God, is there a bigger change? And I'll never ever forget for someone who worked in youth work all my life. Um, I'll never forget the moment when I had to reconcile the decision that said, I am no longer prioritizing other people's children, which I was very comfortable doing. And it was my absolute passion in life uh, because a new child was coming into my world that would be my new priority um, and managing that change is yeah it takes it takes work um, and it needs people to support you uh, but you need to have an idea about what it means you need to be able to accept that some of the change is going to involve struggle um, and you have to embrace that because 
But it's easier to embrace, I would say, when you see positivity on the other side of it or when you construct a positive picture on the other side of change. And that's something in the bigger scheme of things where I think we can take a collective responsibility for imagining the change that we need to see um, on any, like in any individual. So if we could, we could pluck out the, the N11, M11 uh, shenanigans that are going on at the moment about how do we deal with traffic congestion? Cause it seems like that's the issue and change needs to happen. Um, but if we're going to analyze what the change needs to look like, we've got to consider all the different elements that are at play and we've got to imagine a future, the best future. Um, and we've got to be co-architects in how we put things in place so that future um, is comfortable, is sustainable, um, and doesn't involve harm along the way. And and really, there's you know people might talk about acceptable harm, but I don't know whether it's uh, you know how do we how do we accept that harm needs to happen so that people don't have to sit in traffic too long so how do we reconcile that someone should lose a farm or lose a garden or lose a house or that our our critically important wildlife um and natural habitats are worth you know causing harm to for the sake of and i'm not saying that that we should just leave people sitting in traffic, you know, and that that's the challenge is that if we need, we need to play it all out. There's times in the morning and times in the evening when people are, are stressed out and it affects your well-being when you're stuck in traffic. Um, but un unless we're brave enough to map out all the possibilities together, instead of competing for who has the idea or sitting back and letting someone else decide, then I think that gives us a chance where then we own the decision. And I'd love, uh, the time when politics and and society and officials and those who are experts in their fields can collectively uh, agree on a decision and own it, um, whether right or wrong, that we own it, um, and I think then that gives us an opportunity then to to maybe adapt or adjust or change over time. But at least we're not left with the the sour taste of bitterness that comes from thinking that someone else made a decision and you had to suffer it. Uh, and maybe that will be the case for a lot of the change that's coming. Um, but I think if we don't commit ourselves to this collective sense of ownership, um, then yeah, we, we'll, we'll continue giving out about each other and taking shots at who agreed, who disagreed. Um, and we'll get lost in the, in that battleground rather than getting, uh, stuck into the, the real work. The one thing that I want to share and what I'm going to try and do with each podcast is share something that is useful, hopefully. Um, and, you know, I use a lot of tools in my, in my work um, to help with processes, to help with thinking, to help with um, getting from A to B. And some of them I think are useful. And, and I, know, I find in my teaching um, or in my, my youth work that uh, when people have tools that are useful, then they become integrated into into their lives in a positive way or are, are available when people need them. And there's one that I really love that I want to share, which is about managing complex change. And I use it, it's kind of, for me, it's a template for a reminder even that if we're going to be looking at complex change, 
then we have to kind of pull out all the different elements of that so that change happens in a in the most positive way possible and if you're if you're managing a complex change scenario there are five elements to that um, and the five elements are number one vision so you've got to have a vision for the change number two is skills so what skills are available or required to manage the change number three is incentives um, and like it or not we need to have incentives um, as part of the motivation for doing something or being part of a change process. And number four is resources. So what is actually needed to manage the change and get us to the place uh, where the best option is the one that we can go for. And number five is an action plan. So when all the other four elements are in place, an action plan is the step-by-step, -step, is the driver um, that will bring us to the change moment. Um, and that's uh, an example. And when you look at, if you look at those five elements and you take any of them away, then you, you don't get change. So if you take away vision, then what you're really left with is confusion. You've got the skills, the incentives, the resources, the action plan, but you really only got confusion. If you take away the skills, uh, you're going to end up with anxiety because there's something missing um, in the change process that's really fundamentally important. Um, if you take away incentives, uh, you're really going to get resistance. And we all know that experience of when change is forced upon us and we don't see what's in it for us, we resist. Um, if you don't have the resources, you're going to end up with frustration, which is the story of a lot of the change that, that you know we're looking to implement in, in this county. Um, and if you take away an action plan, you're just left with false starts. You're just left with kind of tripping over yourself, um, trying to... Uh, get things moving, but really not knowing what the the healthiest start point is and where the steps follow in a, in a smooth way. So that's a an interesting tool that I think is really really useful um, at any level managing managing change, whether it's within a your local group or you know whether us as uh, politicians are looking at change in our community and society. Um, it really just reminds me. Um, of the elements that need to be in place for, for positive change to happen. And if I may share a quote from the great Paolo Freire, he says, what can we do now in order to be able to do tomorrow what we are unable to do today? And for me, that just captures it all. Um, and it's really that challenge or invitation maybe that says what? What scaffolding do we need to put in place for change to happen that is sustainable, that will last generations into the future? Um, and for me, that's the ultimate, ultimate challenge is what are we willing to do now uh, rather than wait? And, and the whole world, we're looking at Australia at the moment, we're seeing uh, what happens when 30 years of feedback from scientists about climate change is pretty much ignored. Um, and and that's just, that's one example that people are there's devastation happening on a really grand scale over there, um, and likewise around the world. So if we don't stop and pause and really commit to what we can do now, um, then yeah, we'll we'll just be we'll be suffering and reacting and responding in ways that are just it, it like yeah, it literally like firefighting. Um, that we'll only act 
um, when we have to react. And that's the challenge on all of us and particularly on politicians. Uh, and it's something that I will cover in future podcasts is the, you know, one thing I want to look at in the next one is the art of change. Um, and it, which is a beautiful tool, again, a template for looking at how do you manage change in a way um, that brings you through the journey of change that isn't just about opting in uh, when the protest is on or, or when uh, people are gathering to, to celebrate uh, something that's just happened or, or an event that, that needs to be showcased or flagged. Um, it's really about a whole journey of change um, and a, how do you find like-minded people to, to travel that journey um, with you. Um, but I'm also going to look in future podcasts about this, uh, the, the sense of um, how politics pans out in terms of the battleground um, of politics and which will be our reality in Ireland in the, in the coming months is that the, when an election looms, um, it becomes a battleground and how do we manage the battleground? What's our expectation within the battleground of politics? Um, and again, there are big signs across the world that people, that politics is becoming uh, more about it being managed more in terms of a reality TV show um, than it is about change making. Um, and that's something I'll, I'll be looking at uh, in future podcasts. But I'll sign off by saying thanks for listening. If you've made it this far, I appreciate you. Um, and let's see how this goes. Hopefully, you know, give me some feedback. And if it is worthwhile we'll we'll continue with it and maybe bring on a few guests um and see how the world of podcasting can manage uh daisy well, thanks emil talk to you all soon <laughs>